going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Marvel Pair Up, where we pair up every Disney Plus show along with the history and influence of the genre that the show appears to be in. So for WandaVision, it's sitcoms, Falcon, it's buddy cop comedies. This month, it is Miss Marvel and the coming-of-age teen genre. It's evolution through the years. We are now on episode three, which means we are in the early 90s because the 90s has just so much romantic comedy that it's no wonder we're all heartbroken and disillusioned. But it also requires two episodes to fully go through the history of it because not only is this decade incredible for the genre that we're talking about, but it is also a time when film changed in ways that I don't think we saw really until streaming began. As always, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And Jimmy Giraffe. Hello, welcome to the 90s, baby. I know. (laughs) It's the the time. It is the time for all of us, mostly Terrence, because Jimmy and I were there. You're around. You're around. I had to do cognitive therapy to get some of the memories back. (laughs) Like, no, it's been a while. You know, I was in a religious school for half of it. It's going to be tough to get all of it. Um, I I was born in February of 90, so I only missed one month of the whole decade. So. I can I can tell you all 150 Pokemon. <laughs> I have Nerf shoes. I have the power. It's, it's where there's 90 stuff. But uh, what did we think of episode three before we get into that? Uh, episode three, Destin. I, I like this one a lot. Look, look, this series, each time, each episode I watch gets me more and more in the heartstrings consistently. And granted, I'm not a teenage girl, but this this episode, this, this show makes me feel like I am. I'm like, oh, I this is a good time um the the wedding i think is gorgeous i, I love this, this this show continues to not only do things to evolve kamala but also like black panther did put a culture in front of me that i had no clue about before but i am all like i am all in and they seem to be handling it with care and grace and i love that that wedding is stunning the dance numbers like man they they dance like this i want to be at one of these weddings this is turned up let's go Oh yeah, I keep whatever the music comes on being like, ooh, I could really get up. Should I get really into this or would that be bad for me? It is really, really well done. A really good time. And I, and my little heart broke at the end when her friend sees her in her power, using her powers and she didn't tell her first. And I was like, oh, I get it. That's, that's a painful thing when you, we've all been there at some point in time where we, we were just thinking we're protecting them or we're like, well, tell them later. And then you don't, get to and they find out on their own and then it's like oh, now this is going to be a whole road that I have to go to and you just know how much of a weight that is on her as, 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 a, as a young girl but like this is great this is the first time we also got a real action sequence in this series uh which was great um felt a little at moments it could be a little bit cheesy because it felt like it was in such a big big space but I liked it it was the first time we got to really see her use her powers and I dug it so all in all again the show continues to kind of Kill, killing all cylinders for me and I, I'm, I'm fully invested and uh, I can't wait to see what happens next. Yeah, it was a sweet one. I'm still not a Bruno fan, but Bruno. I'm, I'm getting less, <laughs> I'm, I'm like trying to see why people like him. Like he had his <laughs> people moment. like Bruno? He's brave. Yeah, people yeah, like Bruno. Do. I, like, I, I, I don't know, like why, why would you be team Bruno when the other kid freaking abandoned his whole family just to protect her? For her. Cute. Like, I'm sorry, I can't think of his name right now. But Cam- I'm Cameron? Like, 
Cameron or Cameron, I think it's how you say it. I'm team him. Uh, yeah. But um, the, the wedding, I loved the dance so much. I thought the same thing. I was like, oh, yes. It's like they, like that culture definitely invented flash mobs. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, I, I, it was like sad to watch her like finally meet people that give gave her an idea of who she was and then for them to like immediately turn on her uh was like because you you know she's so young she's never been betrayed like that before mm -hmm. you can tell and it's like it's it's uh intense and cool and the, the the action was all great and you know you brought up the friend finding out and I also hate that I just I, I hate secrets in any context and I especially hate secrets when you know the like it's, it's a tv show so it's inevitable that people are going to find this out and i like it so much better when they just come out and admit it and tell them the truth it uh, always sucks too when always... like one of your friends knows and the mm -hmm. other doesn't and you're like well yeah. you told him i'm like oh yeah that makes it worse i mm -hmm. i like that better because i'm like that's a little bit more real than what i call like the audience confidant where like we know a secret and nobody else does and i'm like just just get to the part where everybody knows the secret because like you told us in 10 minutes and now I just have to sit here and be like, there's only problems because no one's talking. This yeah, is at least like, this is like time like, management and trust problems. And I'm like, those are character things and not <laughs> bad writing. <laughs> like yeah. one, like it works for me at like Buffy, the only one who really doesn't know is her mom. And it makes sense because like it's her mom. But then the season two finale, when she tells her mom, it's one of the best, it's like a coming out scene. It's one of the best scenes mm -hmm. ever in television. And like, that's how I want people to, but like, I'm dying. Like, I really hope we get to see Kamala's mom find out. I'm like, I that's was, a scene I was that I'm really that, hoping for. That made me think and of that I, too, because yeah. I think this episode is the first time that you actually got to see the two of them kind of start connecting. Like they start, mm -hmm. their bond gets to get better. And I do hope, like you said, that he just, she doesn't hold this from her the entire yes yeah. season like now. i don't want like my one of my fa my favorite mcu moments ever is how homecoming ends with with aunt may walking in and going what the yeah. and then that and that's funny but but with their relationship i don't want it to be a joke i want there to be like an an honest like truthful no i think we're gonna get a reason i think her mom's mm. going to know that this power exists within the family and right. we're gonna get a more of a I knew it was coming. This makes sense, but if it's mm. gonna, if it was gonna be anybody, it might as well be you. Like we're mm. gonna, we're not gonna make the same mistakes. You have this opportunity. I think there's gonna be a lot more generational stuff that that we haven't fully seen yet, and more. Yeah, of, we'll have a lot to talk about that in our next episode. Yeah, episode. I think. Yeah, I think we're gonna get a lot of these moments that a lot of people I think are wanting. But yes, I. Did you have more on it, Jamie, or was there? I we did no I I you know it's it, since I've watched it I have gone through a bout of my first COVID experience it's like it feels like I watched this episode a million years ago like <laughs> I've lived a lot of life since I've watched this episode. so it's a little fuzzy I've gone point. through so much since then <laughs> Jamie remembers WandaVision and like two scenes in Loki the rest <laughs> what do you even mean <laughs> evil doctor strange um no i agree that this show continues to be my favorite since wandavision and part of that is like i am genre biased and we're just doing things that i love and patterns and stories that i like and then terrence is right we're nailing the relatability that everyone's going through while also showing a culture that i didn't know about or knew about but didn't know fully and I think as we do that, I, I 
feel like we're expanding the MCU in a way that like we don't really do that often. Like we are adding things like the gen are here and more dimensions and more, we all, there must've been a Cree hand and the blue hand in the beginning. Like we're getting those nuggets, but even just seeing the rest of the world and these cultures and how those cultures are responding to what we've really seen of be five blocks in Chicago, or Chicago, New York for right. 10 years is building that world. Even if it isn't building it in the way of like, who's the next big threat and what's Nick? It's like, this is much more literal world building. It, it, it's almost like the lore of a book. Like when you like read Lord of the Rings and it tells you, oh, well, you know, the Middle Earth is actually just a country on a continent, on a planet in the galaxy. And the galaxy is called this, the first enemy of that galaxy. And then you watch the movie and you're like, well, I didn't need any of that. But I'm sort of glad Wait, it's there. Yes. <laughs> like that's what, we're, that's what we're doing with all these shows. Is I'm like, oh, we're really taking the time to do things we can't do in a movie. Right. Um, and I also think with this show in particular, what I'm really starting to like that I'm, I'm realizing I felt was missing in some, not all of the other shows, is this like sense of scope. Like I think in the, the scene with the dancing, we're getting like really wide, showing these big rooms and we're having these like the, even AvengerCon was this large space and outside of the, uh, the mosque, I think is the right word, it's not a church, but of the religious place. Mm -hmm. Um, that also just was like a very big sweeping. And I was like, yeah, these all feel like set pieces that even Falcon and the Winter Soldier kept kind of feeling contained. A lot of just like back and forth close-up shots, then wide through the action. This, I'm like, oh, we're really like getting, pulling the lens back quite literally to see a lot of stuff and then still getting really into these like intimate detailed moments. And I'm with Jamie. I don't, I don't understand why we're not all just rallying behind the guy who's not, but maybe we're just recognizing themes in these shows and we're like, that guy's going to say something problematic soon. Bruno's going to be a problem. And, yeah. and, I, and he might, he might bounce back, but he is <laughs> going to do something not great or say something stupid. He's going to be a 16 year old boy. In five -year -old minutes. Boys are, yeah. This we're, we're, we're dumb, stupid idiots. We haven't figured out how to dissect friendship and relationship and feelings and best friends. And we, we don't know. Do. We don't know no. yet. We're, we're and this kid comes in like, in five minutes is like, screw my family. I'm going to help you. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. kid. He wins. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> he wins. Now look, something bad. My, nobody's coming out of this okay. <laughs> We've no. seen enough <laughs> Marvel shows to know. This isn't going to end well for everyone. Yeah. Not everyone's going to make it out all right. <laughs> um, but everything else, I thought the action scene was great. I'm really loving the powers. I don't mind that she's not stretchy. Although, and maybe I'm just reading too much into things that don't matter. But the credit sequence has like all like the comic book art and covers and like almost silhouettes of her stretching. And I wonder if something's going to happen to the bangle it's weird though, and we're she going still to get there does the power like she still uses that ability she just is not always using the stretching ability yeah it's so just more it's green still... lantern ring and less exactly. fantastic four exactly. that's really like her powers i want like they're so different from anything that we've really seen in the mcu and it's I, that's one of my favorite things is like watching her powers are weird they're so yeah. creative and odd and i love that like even if I, they aren't the same they're still really cool well, yeah, and I always like a learning curve in superhero stories and powers where I'm like, okay, she now has like 
three or four moves, but we're going to get more. And mm-hmm. this is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And they did like, they did that very well with Wanda. Where it's like, when we first met her, she was like, she could like get in your mind and do some stuff. And then by the end, she's no. creating worlds. And yeah. <laughs> renewing <laughs> shows for season that nobody else will do in her world there is a firefly season three <laughs> and it's great it's <laughs> fantastic uh, but no yeah I'm, I'm i'm very interested to see where we go and how this builds into everything else how i love that we're not talking about who when the cameo's coming i'm glad that we're like done with the original discord of these shows i don't not, i don't care yeah. yeah none of that matters i just want to see what happens next with this young lady like all right let's yeah. see what, what, what what are we putting this girl through like uh, it'd be it, fun to have like a shazam moment where like superman half walks up in the frame and it's not even henry cavill it's just a bottom bath like if you get that with breeze, carol just, at the end just, yeah. like that'd be funny but like i don't you know she's gonna interact with Captain Marvel in the Marvels. Like you don't. Right. It's it's inevitable anyway. Like it would be cool, but like I don't care. And I'm and I'm I, of the mindset, like Blake sort of said, I'm of the mindset that these these shows are sort of the the story. It, you don't need to be here, but it's cool to say that I have this, and that's what I'm using these as from this point on because Miss Marvel is going to show up in the film. There's going to be a lot of people that are like, I, who is she? And I'm like, ha, ah, we already know. We're good. Oh yeah, and there's going to be a, t- a five minute exposition scene, and we're going to get caught up. Right. Did they juggle that super well in Doctor Strange? Eh, maybe, maybe not. Are we going to learn from that and probably just start being like, here's a little five minute previously on for those of you who weren't here on Disney Plus? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm having a good time. I also like for the cameo sequence, I think I said in our last episode, we're doing this very cool, like passing the torch, looking up to the hero without that hero there. And I'm like, you know, we've done all the other ones. We've done Spider-Man looking up to Tony. We've done Kate learning from Hawkeye. Let's just have somebody who's inspired by it. Let's have the band in the garage who listens to Green Day, but they're never going to meet Billy Joel. Great. Great. I almost like that more because it feels more real. Well, I love it that she's learning off of her own family and her own, what her own legacy is first. Then she'll meet Captain Marvel. By that point, she's kind of already developed what she is. And it's like, oh, yeah. I'm still in yeah. all of you, but I've already sort of focused about who I'm going to be in this. Right. I'm uh, just waiting for her to be named Ms. Marvel. When do we get that? I just want the damn scarf. Like, put this, put, 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 put it on. I, it, it, it seems like <laughs> the, the trend with both the shows and the movies is the like, last episode, we're gonna... and then we'll give it to you. It's yeah. like, I think I made a joke to my roommate Zane. I can't remember what movie it was, but I was like, I'm getting kind of tired of this, like, wait till the end for the name or the, like, or the special item or the costume. What am I going to have to sit and watch Super Mario, like, wait to get his hat for 90 minutes? Like, well, just what, give him the hat. What upsets me is that, like, I love the credits on this, so I watch the credits every time, and they keep showing yeah. her in the normal, in the, the comic accurate outfit. I'm like, well, guys, we only got, like, three of these left. Can that's why I think that's coming, because, like, we just, and one, it is just, like, cool street art of these comics that, like, we love. Right. And have seen, like, I recognize all these covers, but a part of me is like, you're using so much of that imagery that it has to be coming. Yeah. It has to be. We've, I don't, I can't think of another time where we've, like, in the credits or in the art of the show, shown off the comic accurate version and, and not, and, and not had it. But who knows? Uh, but I do at least it won't take us five years to hear the name like it did for Scarlet Witch. 
Um, oh yeah. But that was like a rights issue at the time too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So now, now that they purchased all of Fox and X, <laughs> yeah. like we can say whatever we want to now. <laughs> mutant, mutant, yeah. mutant, 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 mutant. <laughs> I mean, we've done it with a lot of people. I was like trying to like run through it the other day where I was like, I think there's a few that we just haven't even ever heard them say it. Like I I think we just knew he was Hawkeye, but the first time they even like say his name is uh, the hawk. He's up in his nest. Up in his bed, yeah. Think, yeah. And I think Colson calls him Clint in Thor. Like I don't really think until like someone's like, oh, take it easy, Hawkeye. Yeah. I was like, I don't think we we don't really do like there's a lot of people that were like they'll figure it out they're (laughs) smart it's the name of the title but um yeah the show's great let's talk about some 90s teen movies yeah right right before we do that because i was i was trying so hard to uh cheat and find a definitive answer as to why this genre exploded in the 90s and why it was everywhere and I couldn't. There was no like, and they did some market research studies, and boom. Uh, but what is interesting is when you get into all the other ways that the '90s kind of changed in filmmaking, and very quickly, it was everything got cheaper. So you had a ton of independent studios, independent directors, people like Kevin Smith were starting to max out credit cards and go here. You suddenly had distribution options at festivals and in cities. And there were all of these other kind of ways to get in that didn't exist. And something I didn't know that I thought was interesting is I, we often talk about like, oh, these older movies, the Rebel Without a Cause have these long, wide shots, these two shots. They're not doing the cut back and forth, medium close-up, medium close-up we do now. That's because of home video. That's because VHSs and DVDs became so accessible and common that they were like, how do we get these people who look huge? (laughs) Yes. Thank you, Jamie. Who look (laughs) huge on a big screen to still look huge. And the answer was just get a bunch of two, get get in, get closer. We got to see their eyes more. We got to see, I was like, that's so crazy because we never went back. And for years of my life, I've been like, why did one day we just go enough long steady two shots punch in (laughs) i had no idea that it was capitalism's fault but (laughs) here we are and then of course cgi was getting better we're gonna kind of this podcast almost ends in like 93 when jurassic park came out and at and terminator 2 and at the same time that we were getting giant bigger budget movies we were still getting these like intimate small options and i think as a result of it there was just a lot of everything that there was but there were also just a lot of studios being like that worked go make that one for us we're going to talk about it more on our next episode but uh american pie was famously toted about hollywood before it was made with a script that the title was untitled sex comedy that you'll be able to make for under 10 million dollars i don't know if you like it but i think it's funny and like that's that's how it got the attention because people were yeah. like, one, what the hell? Two, I can make this for under ten million dollars. 
Well, say, let's what? open this up. Well, let's do this. You know, you, I knew you just started to see more and more SNL people start making movies. Adam Sandler was out there. It was, it was a wild friend, time. Like, oh, I can use my friends. This is a vehicle to my friends together to shoot some stuff uh, it's, on the cheap. It's wild that like for our podcast, we had, so like today we're talking about two early 90s movies and one 1998 movie because I refuse to not talk about Can't Hardly Wait. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, and, but the the fact that next our next episode, we just had it dedicated to 1999 because there's like 30 movies. Yeah, it's and, insane. And it's, uh, it's, it's like, it's wild that it all came down to the end of the decade, but there was still a lot going on in the it's... whole decade. Yeah. It's also, and we'll talk more about it, I think, in our 99 episode and in our 2000s, but the interesting thing about this giant explosion, if you Google, like, 90s teen comedies, the next thing that pops up, the most searched thing is, why did these movies die? And the answer is, like, is to Jamie's point, in 99, there were 30 of them. And then in the 2000s, and it's true, we suddenly got, let, but in our 2000s episode, we'll really talk about another gut punch and it's a trend that we've seen in the industry a million times and it's once you make fun of it and everyone can see the math you stop making money yeah i think a lot of the the hollywood boom or like people who just really enjoy films they were of age they started being like in that late 20s early 30s point like kevin smith's one of them who kind of like i can now make movies like i can now i can now do this i put my stuff so they started making the things that they made when they were teens and that's why i like a lot of these 90s things because if you think about it those kids were probably in the 70s 80s like late early early 80s late 70s where those films were kind of at the renaissance star wars like, oh now i can make movies about just us about shit that i like well, and you and you had the template happened. Like John Hughes gave you the Breakfast mm-hmm. Club and he gave you the tropes and he gave you the characters. And obviously that was before him. We went all the way back to Rebel Without a Cause on our first of these of this mini series, but like it was there. And I think that's also why all of the other ones we talked about so far are very like genre specific or American Graffiti, which was like our first kind of like let's go back in time. And John Hughes just being like the punk, the jock. It's like <laughs> Suddenly in the 90s, it became, and it, I think you saw a similar thing happen in stand-up comedy and even in music. Everything became very about me and what I, and it's personal and you're going to relate mm-hmm. to it too. And I think we saw that in a lot of different mediums in the 90s where we had the templates and we kind of had the math and we had the equation and it became much more individual than it did of just this like, and we're at the every town high school where the popular girl and the jock are hooking up and it became a lot of like i'm the popular girl but actually nobody understands me and like mm-hmm. i'm only the, 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 the there became a lot more nuance in the way we told the stories and even just from the teens of the time that youth culture that all three of us were in like that, now we don't even need to look up how the teens were then we we sort of know yeah. And it was a very weird, like being cool was really important and not, and in a very specific way that I don't think it had quite been since the seventies and people were starting to talk way more about political and important issues. And the, even when I was like 10 and 12, people were asking like, oh, what about, I wonder what Blake thinks about Bill Clinton. And it's like, I don't mm-hmm. know what I think about Bill Clinton, but impeachment sounds like something that you should try to avoid (laughs) you just reminded me that my elementary school did in 96 did a we voted for uh, clinton or dole and i remember literally i remember having this conversation with when i was six in the first grade this girl Lacey, 
said to me, she's like, I'm going to vote for Bob because he's he hurt his arm in the war. And I went, that's not good qualification for president. <laughs> you got to vote Clinton because that's what my man says. And then I and then I convinced her to vote for Clinton. And like, how were we having that conversation at 60 years old? We did. Yeah. I don't remember doing it that young, but I remember doing it for the 2000 election and being in fourth grade and like reading about this. And I we had a similar thing where I think at one point I was like, I'm going to vote for this Gore fellow. And like everybody in my <laughs> class was like, whoa, Blake. He did create the internet, so it's you fine. Know. <laughs> but I remember getting home and being like, mom, I said the word hell Gore today in school. And people looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> what's, what's, what's up with this? This goes um, back to last week, Blake, when you were explaining about how you grew up in a rich area. <laughs> mom, I'm trying to think that our socioeconomic status is impacting the morals of, of the... Of who, of the the minds that were shaping are being shaped to focus on material. That was not the takeaway I had when I was nine. I'm pretty no. sure I got home and was like, I don't know, mom, my friends don't like Al Gore very much. Sport I really got to get this growlet though. Did you know my haunter <laughs> will only evolve if I trade it? So we got to go to Dale's house. I don't want to hear a peep out of this. <laughs> uh, but that brings us to Days and Confused. Guys, let's talk about Days and Confused. Terrence, you saw it for the first time, yeah? Yeah. This is my first time seeing this film, and, uh, which is weird because I have a love hate with Richard Linklater. Like I, I don't boyhood, I don't like, but the, the sunrise flicks I do love. Somehow I miss this, and I don't know why. Um, it's the who's who smorgasbord of actors just popping up randomly in this movie, uh, and and I also don't know how I didn't see it, considering how much I love Parker Posey. That being said, uh, this is an interesting coming of age story because. He sort of does this weird thing where it's really not about, it's about vignettes. It's like parts of like, uh, of, of teen life. And I kind of dug that. Like it's, it, there is no structure to this movie, but I, I'm fascinated by it. Like I couldn't take my eyes off of what was going on. I love the concept. Now granted some of this stuff problematic now, but that's what was going on. Like the, 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 the hazing of the kids and all of that stuff. I was like, this is all a part of that. Like I remember being the seniors who were like, let's tease the kids tease the freshman we didn't go to the extent that they did but it it's still a part of part of that everyday waking up of coming up coming of age life and I was like oh this is all fascinating to see this and then see the, the kid I know the guy I've been around the guy who's like out of out of high school but still actively and nastily hanging around all the high school kids and girls and has won't repeat it but has that very disgusting line that McConaughey's character says. I mean, like, I'm pretty sure that's the name of the book about <laughs> this era of movies. Like that, that has not gone away. Yeah. I had a friend uh, like that in high school and, and he ended up in jail mm -hmm. for, for that that's, reason. The tracks, the tracks. Yeah, that, uh, uh, that all sounds right. Those people, they show you who they are right real away. Real quick. <laughs> there is, there's no subtlety. There's no digging up old tweets. They walk right up and say it. Not at uh, all. But what? But I think what I love the most about this is this film, while we're not having a structure, it does have the point of showing how kids rebel, and that's what this whole thing is about. Like teens rebel. This that arrow is like, nope. You tell us we're supposed to do this one thing. We're supposed to do this, this, and this. We need to sign this to pay. Do this. We need to go to college, or we need to do this. And they're like, nah, we don't want to. Sorry. <laughs> and I and I just love that. Yeah, and it's also interesting because I also had only watched it for the first time and was surprised that I, there's always a part of me that's like, look, if I was four when it came out, I get a pass. 
if I was zero when it came out and now it's like a classic, I should have found my way to it. But for whatever reason, I'm like, no, if I miss something from like 89 to like 98, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I, was, I was doing other <laughs> stuff. Um, and I agree with pretty much everything you said. And it was, it was interesting because I looked up all of these, the dumb youth culture nonsense stuff that I just ran through before I watched it. And I sort of in my head had this like, oh, are we going to start talking about the, like important issues? And this movie does a weird thing where the answer is like, yes, but quickly, where we have a scene in the bathroom where it's, oh, you still like Gilligan's Island? Don't you think it's a little male fantasy? We're all stuck here. The women don't really have a choice. It's just all who's on. Then I was like, oh, yeah, like this is 100% not something that would have been in a 70s or 80s movie. And 100% what like, I was talking about in 2004 in high school, mm-hmm. like, this is great. Or even the teacher, the, the, my favorite joke in it where they're all running out and don't forget kids, the 4th of July was done by a bunch of slave owning white people who were just trying to not pay taxes. And I was like, what an awesome, the fantastic weird, throwaway like, line. Incredibly like late eighties, early nineties moment. That's like, and remember kids, fuck the man. <laughs> like, while you're out there <laughs> uh, yeah. but then you're right the rest of the movie almost like inverts the breakfast club and i don't even mean that in the the stereotypical characterization i mean it in the sense of the breakfast club being like a one location ending the MacGuffin is just getting out of detention and this is very much like it's one day what breakfast club is but multiple locations and multiple points of view and it's much less introspective in that way and more like reactionary to the things around them. But it is still this moment in time that I think really the nineties started grabbing like every nineties teen movie that I think we're going to talk about from here until the next one, unlike the eighties, which was this long, like this whole chapter of our lives very much became about, either one day, one event, or one thing. It was either like, we all have to do this thing or else we're not growing up. We all mm-hmm. have to make it to this one place or we missed the party or we met it. It really, like, this is almost the start of things like super bad where it's just like, it's one night and we got to get where we're going. And if we don't get there, we miss it. We're and then it's gone forever. Like it, it, it's almost the threat of missing the youth instead of like being in it almost that's almost how this felt where i was like this is way good one of my favorite genres ever are big cast takes place in one day and 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 that is kind of this movie and can hardly wait uh and but there are other like um uh coffee and cigarettes that's one from 99 not a teen movie but like there's so go go fits into that category too yeah Yeah. which i which i'm going to talk about go in our next episode even though it's not a teen movie because i'm pissed about it because it was listed on a bunch of teen movie lists but that's for next week um (laughs) but um excuse me uh but yeah that like uh so i saw days and confused um once like 12 years ago and i didn't really like it because it was kind of sold to me as like a stoner comedy and i was expecting something much like like sillier and you know like harold and kumar it's like yeah yeah and and so and so but then since then i've gotten really into link later as a director i love most of his films and so revisiting it now knowing what to expect appreciating link later more i loved it this time and i'm so glad i went back to it uh and i'm glad that we've picked it because yeah, I didn't know you guys hadn't seen it, but also it is 
pairs perfectly with American Graffiti. It is exactly, it is 90s to 70s, just like 70s to early 60s, like 50s that American Graffiti was. And that's amazing. And one wild thing I've learned this week, um, because I watched a ton of 99 movies I haven't seen, and three of them uh, uh, were movies that took place in the 70s, and they were Dick, The Virgin Suicides, and Outside Providence. And I also, which isn't a teen movie, I watched recently 54, which is a 90s movie that takes place in the 70s. And after watching all these movies and Days Infused, like, I don't know if there's ever been a decade more than that worshiped another decade more than the 90s worshiped the 70s. Because like, oh, also, we have that 70s. That's about to cut. <laughs> and that's, that's why know. I'm like, I think those kids grew up and they're like, yeah. I love this. Yeah. Like it's it was like fascinating, but I do think of all the ones I watched, like Dick is like so much of a comedy that like all the costumes are like elaborated and that's not what really it looked like. But the Days and Confused, I think, is the most genuine, feels like the 70s in the way that the American graffiti felt like 1962. And I'm bummed that we recorded these when we did because the new bev is showing them as a double feature like this week. And it was like, fuck, I would have loved to see those back to back on the screen. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's also interesting because I think it shows to Jamie's point with Linklater the the weird fights and wins that like directors had at the time that I don't really I mean they still happen but I don't think they happen in this incredibly specific way where they had a huge fight over the now famous like good game guys good game good game scene where they're like this is, this doesn't do anything this isn't the producer was very much like what are we why. We're not learning anything. And Linklater was like, no, this is how people from this part of the country talk. This is a real moment that everyone's experienced if they've done anything like this. And it's staying in. And he's like, this is what's going to make the Gen Xers love this movie, is what he apparently said. It's a and he was right. It, it's like, a way yeah. of speaking that that genre, like I don't, I didn't speak that way, but I do. I had my own speak with my friends at high school that I was like, I know what they're what the equivalent of that is, and I every get it. single PA teacher, coach, and parent I had when I was a kid said that at least once, right. and I was like, yeah, that is a very hyper specific teen experience, and that's all he's capturing. This whole movie is just like this is the teen experience. Mm -hmm. in this day and in this time and if it's not accurate what are we doing like we're like why would we be here and i think that really echoes a lot of the movies we're about to talk about too of just like these very like we're about we'll talk about clueless here in a minute but that movie very much is just like it's a little bit more heightened but it is still like no this is it this is it we've encapsulated how people feel and it's how we're doing it same with Can't Hardly Wait. Same with so many other 90s movies. Even things like Terminator 2 have those dumb moments like, easy money. And remember, you gotta say, cool it, dickwad. Like, we <laughs> suddenly have this <clears throat> weird, like, need to just get the way we talked to each other right. Mm -hmm. Like, we just sort of had to kind of get the lingo and... I think it's great. I think it's, it, it really is why I think there's a weird connection to this. And I think it's even why there's people get connections to Miss Marvel where we're like, oh, that, that's, I've heard that. I've been there. That's that. how, yeah. oh my goodness. Like we've, you've just put me on the screen and in such a crazy, unique, specific way. Uh, but it's great. But to Jamie's other point, this is almost 
a remake of American Graffiti. And I feel like Can't Hardly Wait is almost a remake of The Breakfast Club in like very specific ways. And Clueless is quite literally in modern adaptation of a classic book and so many 90s rom-coms are it's Shakespeare but today and it's Taming mm-hmm. of the Shrew and it's this one and that to that and I'm like this was such a very interesting period because we were like repeating so much and like adding so much new to it like we were doing a lot of 70s and a lot of well we're recreating this story but through this lens and it's it almost feels like the baby steps into the 2000s being like, now remake all of it. <laughs> Bring the curtain down. It no longer has to be Shakespeare today. It is just Shakespeare. No more. It was inspired by American graffiti. Just make American graffiti again. We're not yeah. doing this. Um, but it's great. I love it. Uh, I think without Days and Confused, you literally wouldn't have the next two movies we're going to. Are we doing Can't Hardly Clueless? Would be Clueless. Next, the, well, the, the lingo is pretty much a huge part of Clueless. Like the way that Sheriff speaks is pretty much the definitive way that people remember Clueless. Like the way that Cher and and, and Taj and all of them speak to each other, that's that's what this film is. And if they don't speak that way, Dion and Cher don't speak that way, or Taj doesn't speak that way, they clowner about it. So it's it's one of those ones where it's like, oh yeah, now that's very much what this film is. I adore this movie like i i adore clueless like i can watch it we just did recently for some for another thing that we did i love this movie uh paul paul rudd still is not aged uh he still looks exactly the same but and it's and it's sad bittersweet to see Brittany murphy but i love this movie um i like the whole concept of like i'm taking what make what think this movie works everybody immediately sees Cher and thinks that she's the dumbest person in the room. But what this movie does, it says like, no, while she may not be on the level that you, or speak in the way that you are, you may think that she is less than because she's not speaking like how you expect her to do, but she's quite bright, bright in what she does. It's um, what we were that- <clears throat> saying earlier of like, we're going to take these tropes and then we're going to show you that it's more complicated than that. Yeah, uh, I love it. I, I love it. I love the interaction of her uh, sort of quote unquote making Ty uh famous and then get be- becoming envious of that i love i love all of that i love that her father kind of doesn't think highly of her until he does i i love all of this like this movie is one of those perfect kind of sweet spots where it's doing multiple things to show you that hey don't judge a book by its cover it's something very simple that we always say don't judge a book by its cover this movie reflects that but puts it in that heightened 90s fashion clothing music all of that sort of just comes together in this big bubble that's like this is a movie that you if you want to say quintessential 90s this is one of the movies that you show another crazy thing i thought in my research sorry jb was like to your point terrence when i looked it up i was like i wonder what like the influence of clueless is today i bet i can find all these articles about movie it was all fashion it took me 40 minutes to find an article that was like here's how clueless helped movies everything else was vogue and this and this Mm -hmm. and this and i was like yeah, because this is a great movie because you could you could go to the future with it and just tell somebody it's a period piece of the 90s. And they'd be like, yes, this is how I think the 90s looks. And then you would be like, it was made in 1995. Because it feels like they went ahead in time and were like, that's the 90s. Make a 90s movie. Give mm-hmm. them that nostalgia. But it was right in the middle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's funny that you say that because what I was going to say is that two years ago, I showed Clueless to my little cousin who was 11 at the time. 
and uh, it didn't go over super well, uh, which was a bummer. But the wildest thing was like to explain to her, like the joke of Dion and Cher talking on the phones to each other in the hallway. I was like, in the 90s, no one had cell phones. Like the joke is they're really rich. And right. that is why, like, and the same thing, I showed her bring it on. And she didn't under, my cousin literally didn't understand why, uh, like the concept of like call waiting, like she can't get, touch with her boyfriend and like like she just like did like it was this whole thing where like she didn't know how phones used to work <laughs> wild that's the um, learning but, curve yeah. yeah and for those who don't know i don't know if there's anyone on earth who does know this but clueless is based on emma mm -hmm. uh and uh there's a really good recent adaptation of emma I with Anya Taylor that the I last movie I saw the last film I saw before the world stopped yes yes uh it's uh it's no clueless but it's really good um and there's also a version with Gwyneth Paltrow which I've actually never seen um but uh but clueless is just like I, I like that thought like it it does it is does feel so 90s in a way that like it's it's heightened the mm -hmm. because these kids are rich like like I'm like I'm sure your average high school there you weren't getting clothes like this and then of course the hilarity of her closet and the the computer in her closet and like she has to take polaroids instead of using a mirror uh and just stuff like that it's and yes Paul Rudd is the most charming adorable man that's ever lived and I'm so glad that last year he finally got the credit he deserved as sexiest man alive also so Denadea is maybe my favorite character actor of all time who plays her father. Uh, I love him so much. And I also just for our 99 episode, I watched Dick and him as Nixon is truly the best casting. <laughs> oh seen. yeah. Dick is uh, incredible. <laughs> uh, um, I, I've never seen it, uh, but uh, again, that's for next week, but, mm -hmm. um, but more so of like, you know, that seventies thing and everything, but anyway, Clueless is just like, you can't, we can't talk teen movies without talking about Clueless because it's just got everything. It's a great rom-com. It's a great comedy. Uh, the fa it is the fashion. Did fact, you see yeah. literally today, Natalie Portman and Tessa Thompson are promoting Thor and they dress, they dress like Sharon Dion. Mm -hmm. like, oh my God. <laughs> If you haven't seen it, go look at my Instagram stories because I shared it. But it's like, think, that's like, the Yeah, like Iggy Azalea's entire opening, her first single was recreating this yeah. movie. Um, there, so it's, it's incredible. Yeah, because it, it has not gone away. But I think Jamie also touched on something that this movie is very different from, I think, every other movie we're going to talk about that's a comedy. In that its comedy is so uniquely different it's visual, it's smart. We're not really doing, I love American Pie, but I'm gonna pick on it. We're not just getting like big and goofy and like, how crazy can we be? This is so, I don't have a mirror, it's Polaroids. And the, I, we all have cell phones and look how written by our problems are so specific and everything else gets very almost Seinfeldian after this. There are a lot of movies there, especially as we go along the 90s, when we get to that late 90s, the 99 era that rely on sight gags or bigger than like jokes. But this one basically is dialogue heavy and like a, a creating your actors to get to that joke. Like a lot of the stuff, if you put this in any other hands besides Stacey Dash and Donald Faison, their relationships of them going back and forth would not work. They would just be like, these guys are just oddly cruel to each other. But in this, you're kind of like, these weirdos actually do love each other. They're just, that shit crazy oh yeah there's i mean yeah they, and it has such a good <clears throat> like its development is so good and interesting too of the writer bringing it around and no one really wanted to do it and it was a first try and it was this like big weird risk of like are people gonna get 
that it's literature and that it's the comedy's modern and that we're we're really really so far away from like traditional ways people relate to characters will they still connect and even when I watch it I'm always surprised that it almost feels like like three movies in one like the first third of that movie is getting these teachers to hook up and then it's getting Brittany Murphy to change and then it's her journey and it's it's such an interesting way of building a character to be like she is really smart she is really empathetic and we're going to show you how she uses that intelligence and that empathy in a very goofy privileged anybody else would think she's dumb kind of way Mm -hmm. but it's going to get away with everything until it's about how to help her and that's when it's really going to be like i got nothing I have, I don't understand. I don't know what's going on, what's happening to me. It's fantastic. Yeah, I've never heard a bad thing said about this movie. Even yeah, the cover is great. Yeah, Even it's one of the best I, covers I've ever, it's fantastic. I love it. I I hear, the, I see, I think about this movie, I hear the title, I'm immediately thinking of that yellow and black plaid dress. I think of the big phones, like this, it's perfect. It's a perfect movie. I love it. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, it created the 90s teen genre like I think this really was even where we kind of flipped it and it wasn't just like a bunch of guys going out doing stuff it wasn't like we all gotta get laid and this is our this was a very different story I do want to take a moment to give her credit because she's done this twice Amy Heckerling who directed Clueless also did Fast Time at Ridgemont High which also was one of the ones that sort of started that that brain trust of other uh, coming of age high school comedies in, in the 80s. So well done twice. Good job. Heckerling does not <laughs> get the credit she deserves. She, she is one of my favorite directors. She directed this movie <laughs> in the early 2000s with Alicia Silverstone called Vamps and uh, Kristen Ritter. And people hate this movie. I watched it for the first time last oh, year. Vamps is and it great. Is- I am obsessed with it. <laughs> it's a movie that could not be more catered to me, where it is like clueless oh, it's, for party movie yeah. with vampires. Yeah, so Gwyneth Weaver, it's a it's a good damn time. Yeah, it's no. so good. And I don't know why people hate it. I loved it. And like, and the only Amy Heckerling did make a movie with Michelle Pfeiffer called "I Can Never Be Your Woman," which was very bad, and I hated it. <laughs> we can't we can't win them all. But I do hate that Amy Heckerling is not in the conversation more because she really changed the game in a lot of ways. Well, that's she, where I'm like, I'm trying look now and i'm like yeah after van because she goes into a lot of tv stuff she does TV. Like it, yeah. It's, mm. yeah which is fine but like but I, I mean, am like define Brent, another decade it's a lower <laughs> it's a lower quality film but even the look who's talking movies i could watch those like left and like those are freaking amazing what are you talking to look who's talking when i was a kid uh before i'd ever heard of look who's talking travolta was always my favorite actor but there was a time when i was a kid where kirstie alley was my favorite actress because of uh it takes two with mary kate nashley and my stepdad was like well let's watch look who's talking and i was like what's that and he's like oh it's john travolta and kirstie alley and i was like excuse me <laughs> what did you just say yes please uh, and i like i love like i love all three of them i even love the ones where the, the dogs, dogs are fun do it do it yeah do it they're fucking stupid but they're like also pretty good i just rewatched the first one for the first time in a long time uh because tony hadn't seen it and it's a charmer it's, a it's charming so film. cute it's yeah. weird it's so weird like that movie opens with eggs and sperm and i'm like amy i don't know what sure let's do it <laughs> I'm pretty I sure that's it, how I, I learned how that works from watching Lukuzaki. Yeah. yeah. 
I only no, have sorry. two other I just things. I on a tangent. No, you we should Every heckling tangent, it's deserved. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, where? how is she not making a Marvel movie or something? Yeah, like, like, why have we tapped fantastic. her for some incredible, like, what, how is Netflix not just got her to do every, like, how, she should have at least done the kissing booth. I, she's she's around yeah. like get, get this come on now but the only two things i want to bring up with clueless and then we'll move on um one they do a very good job also we've talked a lot about how it's we have these assumptions about her but then she's so smart but that's very much also in her dna of like she immediately is like this guy's not right for britney murphy and this isn't right and this guy's a loser and they're not this and then she like goes and sees them in their element. She goes to the skateboard show. She goes to all these other places she hasn't gone and has the same like awakening the audience does about her where she all of a sudden is like, oh, oh, I've been, I've been messing up the game a little bit. Uh, <laughs> maybe if you're happy, go for it. <laughs> you brought this up. I would like to shout out to Breckenmeyer as Travis Birkenstock, one of my favorite adorable characters. And like, it takes you a long time to realize like he's, a Birkenstock air you like don't like think about it and I think that's hilarious also a lot of movies we're talking about have Breckenmeyer in them uh, he just shows oh, yeah. up randomly everywhere Ooh, Breckenmeyer. <laughs> he is, and I oh I love him I love him and uh, he, he was one of my movies I watched this week let me tell you I really want to make a list and I probably won't because who has the time but I feel like there's always like now in the Judd Apatow movies like oh yeah there's always somebody who pops up just randomly scene, yeah but we've never given you a movie yeah. Like there's there's always someone who like quietly defines a genre but never leads it. And I'm like, I want to make more of these lists where I'm like, well, you keep showing up. Why haven't we given you? Are you just you're good? You just have a house in Arizona. You fly in. You hit your mark. You say your lines. You go home. You don't want to deal with the bullshit. <laughs> Great, because that's nine times out of ten how those actors are. Where you're like, you're so good, but you've never taken a lead. And like, I don't want to. He's like, I just want to come home and <laughs> leave. I would like My to say, own. I brought up that I watched 54, and in 54, Breckenmeyer is married to Selma Hayek, which is the most bizarre pairing <laughs> I've ever seen. I don't I like know it. who decided that would work. I like it. It was wild <laughs> to watch them be a married couple. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to think, I was like 50, I was like trying to connect studios and producers, and I was like, maybe that was just a weird, these are the two numbers I have in my phone. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm sure. Same year yeah. Wait, which also features well, there the were like it's very funny when we talk about the 90s being like it was the time of independent studios and like really it was like two independent studios that became huge but never right. really like became a huge like i i it, we should have never talked like miramax like a lot of these ones are like no we're a small indie group but i'm like i guess but now mm -hmm. you've made 50 movies that define the decade <laughs> like i mean at what point are we going to stop calling Scream like a hidden gem? Like we, we've seen, it's everyone's seen the thing. My last point with Clueless, and it's not even a point, it's a question. Has anyone seen the show that they went on to make? I never watched oh, it. When I was a kid, I watched it a lot on TV. Um, I really liked her, what's her name? Uh, um, Rachel something. She was also in Road Trip, I want to say, um, starring Breckin Meyer. Um, he started. He started. Rachel Blanchard. Rachel Blanchard. Um, uh, I, I, and I believe Stacey Dash played. Stacey, Donald, yeah. and Paul were all. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, it was just Elise Children was in it, and I liked it as a kid. But I mean, but she had to go be Batgirl. 
I mean, Can't exactly. Nothing was going to go wrong with that decision. <laughs> She'll I'm be sure fine. It, yeah, I'm sure it wasn't actually good, but it was on TV a lot when I was a kid, so I watched it a lot. Yeah. I just always am fascinated when these hit movies have a show that I didn't know about, like the well, Paris Bueller's Day Off fa- pilot. What's crazy about that is that that had three seasons, and I don't know how. I don't remember it doing well enough to have multiple multiple seasons like it almost i mean i'm sure that somebody was just like it's got the clueless name just keep going till till people catch up like like jamie said it was the 90s terrence we were spending money we were mtv was just throwing cash out out. the windows it It was so stupid how many of these companies were just like we have so we don't even know how i remember i'll say this about clueless the the show how i remember watching it is because the first season it got moved it was it didn't get to stay on abc it moved to upn which at that point in time was like the black people network so uh that's how i saw it was like oh well clueless is here all right cool and that's when they started leaning into donald Faison and stacy dash more because they're like well black people <laughs> so then that brings us to 1998 the perfect segue from a a, a decade now littered with dazed and confused and clueless wannabes, some good, some not as good. And then we get to a movie that I had not seen, but has quietly been the influence for everything that I like, like Beach Party, where I watched this (laughs) and I was like, oh, this is just the thing that people watched and then made American Pie and literally every other college teen party movie is Can't Hardly Wait. Which you had never seen bring, this before? I had never seen. I had never. Oh, I don't wow. think I had heard of it before. Now, what? I just this was so off my radar, which is crazy because I always make jokes about the stupid American Pie. It looks like a stamp, and it's not a white bag, and it's a crooked fawn, and Wedding Crashers does it, American Pie does it, so many others movies does it, and this motherfucker is I believe patient zero for this trend. When I pulled it up at Amazon Prime, I was like, I should have known it would be a white DVD <laughs> red tinted stamp. <laughs> of course you did this the reason why i insisted on this movie is because we wouldn't have 1998 or 1999 the year of 1999 without can't hardly wait coming out first in 98 first of all it's riddled with actors that dude this is a must they've I mean, gone on to everybody I mean, yeah, Breckel, Brecken and Donald, they're back. Yeah. They have small parts, but like, and, and you know, we've got Seth Green and a- Jerry O'Connell role. pops up. It's, yes, Selma Blair pops up. Uh, we, you know- um, Jamie Presley. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Like, yes, it's like, it is just insane. It's glitter. Like, I just- Sarah Rue is in this. Yes, <laughs> literally like people in the background, like um, Amber Benson who plays Tara mm-hmm. on Buffy is just seen in the shot holding a banana. Yeah. You've got Jason Segel holding a watermelon the whole movie. And, yeah. and, and it was uh, all, the poll was Jennifer Love Hewitt, right? That yeah. was like the bankable name. At well, the time. it's funny, they signed her off a of party of five, but then right before this, I know what you did last summer came out, and then mm-hmm. that blew up. So then she became that's, the mark. That's the marquee, what it was. The marquee yeah. name on this, because like it was like that weird movie that went this, straight to DVD that Leo was in for like twenty minutes, and then after Titanic, they were like, get it, take it off the shelf and get it out there and put it. Because technically, because technically, Ethan Embry is. Thank you. Is, is yes, technically Ethan Embry is the lead, but like it's when J Lo blew up. I mean, she was my J Lo back then, by the way. <laughs> yeah. That's why I'm saying that she was my J Lo first. Um. But when she blew up, that's when they were like, hold up, put her on everything. So I always see her in that blue tank top because one, she's stunning. But two, I was like, yeah, that that was that was my childhood. That was 98. I was a full on 
raging hormonal teenager at that point in time. <laughs> my favorite, one of my favorite movie drinking games is all you have to do for Candidly Wait is drink every time they say Amanda. That's the only rule you need. And I made Tony watch it. He'd never seen that. I was like excited because I've seen this movie more than oh, most movies. I've yeah, seen I, this was one of my films. Yeah. And this, I bought the soundtrack because it had the Missy Elliott song. Like, oh, I love yeah. it. I love this uh, movie. It, what, what's crazy about this movie now that I think about it is though um, it all the movies that we sort of talked about before talk about how they are trying to get to a party. This one was like, hey, screw all that. Let's just be the party. Yeah. This and is like, that's a wild concept. I'm in. Let's do that. We've touched on it a bit of the like the Breakfast Club is all one location, and obviously the '90s did not invent one day one location ideas. Horror had been doing it forever, and comedies. Anyone trying to make a movie cheap is trying to pick one day and one location. Um, and and Terrence is right. This is just like we're at the destination, and instead it's the coming of age moment of the party itself and the weird revelations you have and the hellos and the goodbyes and the identity crises. And, but what I love about the development of it and it being in one location is so specific to this movie is that Hel uh, Hillary, Harry Elfront and Deborah Kaplan who had also worked together on a very Brady sequel, their first film, apparently after that debuted, sat down and went, I want to make something, I don't really want to have to worry about a studio greenlighting it. I don't want them to worry about like what we're doing. So let's think of the cheapest place we can go. Somewhere that like you and I could just like do it at our apartment or on a roof. And they were like, a party. And that's like just what evolved that whole notion was just them being like, I don't want to be too stressed on our next one. Can we just find some cheap place? Production design would be easy. Marks would be easy. And just go have a good time. Do you want to just have a good time? And I love I, that idea of filmmaking. I also think this is sort of when my my hopeless romantic kick started with mm -hmm. this movie. Because it was like... Uh, Bre uh, Meyer, Ethan Embry's character had been like pining over a man the whole time. And then she, she breaks up. And he, she finally reads that letter and she's like, maybe I don't know what I am in life. Maybe I don't know what I want. Who wrote this letter? And I love him going, her going around from person to person to try to figure out who the hell Preston Meyer is. And they have no one because he's he's an out, he's an outsider. Nobody really knows who he is. I love that concept of like, oh my God, they're all at the same place. Just meet, please meet. I want you to meet because love. <laughs> and then you have Jenna Elfman as like the uh, the wise angel stripper who's like who with the, the, one of my favorite quotes when I was a kid was fate only takes you so far when you get there it's up to you to make things happen. Yeah, yeah. The movie it is it's one of those also movies that's like where would you find an inspiring quote in a random place and it's like oh this movie is just full of nonsense that like which is a hundred percent I still have stories where I'm like you know guys I, I was at this party once and this guy came up to me and he was just like you know man no one's gonna remember it you might as well do the thing you want to do anyways so I was like it's a weird <laughs> all right I am gonna go play this round of beer pong stranger <laughs> I love thank this you there's so many times where I like nobody else would know this my jamie would now that i know she's a big fan of this but like the klepto kid just going around stealing shit is one of the greatest side just tertiary characters in the background that could ever happen to us and he character. then he went on the next year to play the shermanator in american Pie. <laughs> well it's 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 this is the quiet remake of the breakfast club that's your basket case and we do mm -hmm. the like now it's like birds of prey not birds of prey the original the first suicide squad movie does it where everyone gets a title card and stats yeah which like i kind of hate but i also collect 
collected X-Men cards as a kid. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I want to know their heights and powers. I love uh, that in this movie. The way I love the quotes and the activities. Like Seth Green played one JV basketball half like half a game or whatever. Like it's cute. Yeah, having this conversation, I totally forgot until this moment that the day I graduated high school, I made all my friends. We all went over to my friend Shane's house and I made all of them watch this movie the night we graduated high school. And then 10 years later, the day of our high school graduation, I made them all watch Romeo Michelle's high school. <laughs> you can great. count on me for that kind of shit very consistent i also love and i have no real evidence of this but to terence's point like this whole movie is a party the conversations at the party the consequences of the party and i feel like literally every single movie in this genre after can't hardly wait the climax the like moment of like oh my goodness or even the inciting incident that starts everyone on their path is a party from here on out, Neighbors 2, Neighbors 1, American <laughs> Pie, almost every single movie is like, and don't forget at the party, that should be the emotional catharsis. That's the super bad, book smart. Book like smart. It, yeah. it doesn't end where it's just like, after the, the, the importance of the party, I think started here and like one of my favorite subgenres, and I'm sure we'll get to it in this very podcast is the like we got to get to the party and it's the two friends it's either the last party or the important party mm -hmm. and they end up with their fight and they end up with the like oh you didn't know but now you do and it's affected us, which is the part I hate we have to have the fight of the party and then they be like, you were right we'll still be friends like I just <laughs> I'm tired of those scenes but the rest of it I'm like yes I love the like we got to get the beer and we got to get this. Mm -hmm. And don't forget, my crush is into this. And your crush is going to be there. And this is going to be the night we turn it all around. And I'm pretty sure that seed was planted here. Like, I'm pretty sure that this happened maybe in development. American Pie was happening at the same time. But both of these at once were like, and now the coming of age story is about the party we've done the graduation we've done the detention we've done the road trip we've done every other time that a teenager goes through something but it's about the party man that's what we're all really trying mm -hmm. to get to we've <laughs> done the prom we've the prom doesn't matter no one actually cares about it it's about that party after it no oh, man, one my else prom cares <laughs> I was the DD. I still had the craziest night. <laughs> I, I, I always think about, like, I want to write a movie about winter break 08, because that was the first winter break of college where all my friends went back to Florida. And, like, it was our first winter break, like, back partying the, sh the parties the shit the insanity that happened i lost my virginity that winter break like <laughs> crazy and i like and i'm like that i would watch that movie of like winter break 08 like that's and that's why i think i've to this day love these coming of age these teen party movies so much because they're no matter what decade you're in they're relatable because the teen experience is is just we've all it's something that you all experience and then and then but the rest of your life is so different for everybody but the teen years are so the same well and i mm -hmm. think that's why like in our 30s and 40s we're still like relating to these stories because it's like it's partly like nostalgia and like one more night but it's also <laughs> partly just like oh yeah i did all of that and boy was it like nothing else was like it and it's what i'm really excited to talk about american pie but i'm like that is what 
the corny nonsense that like American Pie and Green Day did with Time of Your Life, where it's just like, on to the next step, guys. But you know, this is it. And like, I started saying that for every dumb time when we were at a party and people got so <laughs> sick of me. But every now and then I was like, no, I was right, guys. That was it. <laughs> that was it. I'm so, now I feel like- desks. <laughs> You, are you guys some like I'm still very close with all my high school friends and and that and I graduated high school in 2008 so it's a long time ago and like I'm all my best friends are my high school friends well, and I think that helps that's part of the nostalgia too is that there's still such a big part of my life and that was we'll we'll always be friends because of we've known each other we watched ourselves grow into the people we are we're getting into the point where like this then I can't really wait and like the next one we're talking about all those movies in 99 that was my, my that was my senior year of high school was 99 so and I saw all of these oh. films including can't hardly wait with all the friends who are still my friends so it's even more like all of this just brings back memories of like yep i know exactly where we're at because i was in that time at that moment this Terrence, is would you say that it was another turning point maybe a fork stuck in the road <laughs> it, was, it was almost as if life was grabbing you by the wrist and directing you where to go Indeed. did you maybe take a breath and not ask why <laughs> song lyrics now was it the time of your life <laughs> did you take the you know what we'll just move on because i will do the whole song um so i guess the question then is like that's how it related to us that we went on so you we, you can tell we're in our decade now because we're not just being like and it changed movies now we're like and it was our time man. <laughs> uh, but but really the reason we're here not just to give these dumb history lessons and talk about miss marble without needless hot takes that everyone else has because we're different is how do the themes in this idea connect not even to this episode to the greater are we seeing any of the stuff we've just talked about? The, the fashion, the one night, the importance of an event, the, oh, we thought this about a character, but they're actually this, but they're still true to the thing we thought about them also. While not to the effect that they were in Endangered and Confused, I think the rebellious spirit is definitely in Kamala, uh, especially in this episode. Like she's very anti what her parents were saying. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to my grandma. I wanna, I wanna start figuring things out on my own because what you're telling me I don't quite jive with and I I think everybody we've all been there when we get to that age that 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 14 15 16 range we kind of start asking more questions than I think our parents want us to ask and we're kind of like I don't this doesn't make any sense you told me this but this doesn't make sense anymore and now I'm questioning it and I think that's where Kamala is and I think that's what a lot of that dazed and confused era of teens that movie is kind of just like eh, the system says and do some crazy stuff and I don't agree with it anymore so I'm gonna do my own thing and I, I feel that definitely is what Kamala is doing now. I think we're seeing that. I think we are seeing, and it's not it's not a party, and it's not this. And I think we'll touch more on this in, in the 1999 episode. But as this genre evolves, I think we're going to start getting into some themes that the Disney Plus show for a younger audience is probably not going to get into. Yeah. Um, likely not get into. But I do think we're seeing the importance of everything. Everything is a party and everything is event. And almost every episode has had a, we have to get here or, we, or we're behind. We have to get here or I'm not connected to my friends and my family. I have to get to Avenger Con or I, I mess up everything. I, I have to be, I have to go see my family to learn more about. There's always this 
the days of confused can't hardly wait, like need to get where they're going. And I think there is a lot of clueless in this and not just the design, but in the comedy, we're getting some visual jokes and we're getting a lot of smaller intimate banter and a focus on how they talk to each other. Everyone has their own stuff. Even the scenes in the car where we're interrupting the music and we're coming back and mm -hmm. everyone's kind of flirting with everybody, but no one's really made a move yet because he's going to end up doing something stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, how about you? Did you, have you noticed anything? Everything that you guys said, like there's nothing, nothing else. I, I'm great. All good. I would love to see an episode where she goes, like she's been to Avengers con, she's been to a wedding, but I'd love to see her at like a high school party and to see what it's going to be the climax because can't hardly wait made it the climax <laughs> 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 that's going to be like episode five and they have to get to the party and that's where he's mm -hmm. going to be like i've loved you forever but you just made up with the other guy and she's going to be like but we're friends and then we're going to have to like wait a whole episode until he's like you're right we are friends and i just got confused but i my friendship's more important than this relationship and let's go stop the bad guy and i'm going to go every time we have to have the bathroom friends fight at the party scene <laughs> and i'm gonna love it <laughs> it's gonna... ingrained in the dna i mean it's it's there <laughs> it's, it's it's gotta happen if it doesn't <laughs> i'll be furious <laughs> people have cameo predictions i'm like i think the genre is telling us that there's just gonna be a fight at a party maybe they'll have drank alcohol for the first time maybe not <laughs> <laughs> But either way, we will be there with more stupid movie references. That's been the show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. You can, of course, follow the show at HollywoodADI.com, which is the main show, Hollywood Already Did It, that Terrence and I do about movie reboots, remakes, and sequels when they are available to us in theaters. Jamie has all of her work at Phase Zero and ComicBook.com, where you can read and hear everything else. And Terrence runs our YouTube page, where he does his show reviews and trailer reactions and movie reviews and everything else that Hollywood already did it. I'm at, as always, Blake. Terrence is at Terrence Tatum and Jamie is at Jamie Cinematics. And we will see everybody uh, next week. But if you didn't notice, we were late because Jamie was sick. So really you'll see us like next. It's probably Shortly. queuing up, which sort of works because we're really just kind of keep talking about the 90s. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm so, so excited about 1999. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. It's my favorite so leave year. us a quick review and then go right into the next one. Um, we will see you guys in mere moments.